All right, welcome to the Crown Council's Mentor of the Month podcast, where we are helping dental teams build a culture of success. I'm Stuart Anderson, and in this episode, I'm joined by Stephen Anderson, Dr. Joseph Dills, and Dr. Blake Kester of Parkcrest Dental. They're in Springfield, Massachusetts. This is actually a special series and a special episode created just for students and young doctors looking for some direction and mentorship when it comes to choosing that next path on your professional life. So we've gone out and found some of the very best in dentistry, and they are providing some direction and mentorship on which type of practice might might fit you, might fit a young dentist. And then they're also providing some suggestions and help when it comes to deciding how to build that practice, how to join that practice. So um, are you gonna be joining your father's practice or are you gonna be joining as an associate? Are you gonna be joining a group practice or building one or buying one? So uh, these are the different types of practices we've gone out and interviewed for this special series. And uh, the topics we hope you find very applicable as well as some really fun and ways to act and what to do next. So in this episode, you're gonna learn about how to join a group practice. Parkcrest has eight different doctors working inside the practice, and you're gonna learn about how they bring on associates, how they bring on partners. Uh, You'll find advice on um, picking the right group practice for you. How are you gonna find which one fits? You'll also find some takeaways on uh, what questions to ask team members before joining a practice. You'll also find some very important advice on attitude, personality, and getting along with the others inside the practice before joining. Uh, Also, Dr. Dill shares some really important information about looking at the contract, uh, thinking about what's in it and reading it, and making sure you understand what is in that contract before signing on as an associate or a partner. Uh, As always, this episode and podcast is sponsored by the Crown Council an association of dental practices across the United States who are committed to building a culture of success in their practices. So it's our job, it's Crown Council's job to provide the tools to help dental teams not only build a community, build an environment, but a place where patients and team members love love to be a part of and, and where they thrive. So if you're interested in being a part of the Crown Council or interested in being part of our Young Dentist Program, I'm here in the Crown Council as well as the Crown Council team. We're here in the office ready to serve and help you be a part of this community. You can find a link to Crown Council in the show notes of this podcast's episode. So with that, enjoy the podcast and hopefully you learn a lot from Park Crest Dental. Thanks. All right, welcome to the Crown Council's uh, Mentorship Podcast Series. I am Stuart Anderson, joined with uh, Steve Anderson. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Stu. Our illustrious guests today, uh, Dr. Joseph Dills. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Stuart. Nice to be here. Grateful to have you. And then uh, we're, we're going to be joined here shortly uh, by Dr. Blake. So Dr. Dills from the Parkcrest Dental Group. And uh, we were just discussing Parkcrest's history. It's been around for over 47 years. Yeah. Uh, Joe, why don't, you, why don't you just lead us into maybe... The history, uh, how how the practice evolved, and uh, and your involvement in in everything from start to right now. Yeah, sure. So I too have been around since '74. So we were started in '74 by a group of dentists. Uh, initially, it was well, it was the first group practice in Southwest Missouri, and these guys got together and decided they could do it better together. 
but it was separate practices at the time. So it was one building with separate practices. So each had their own business model they were, they were running from. Sometime in the 80s, that got conglomerated into one practice. And so today we operate as a partnership. There are seven partners and we have one uh, contractor who is our orthodontist, but we've got pediatrics and orthodontics here. So there's eight of us practicing here in the building. Um, it's evolved over the years simply to fit the needs of the practice. What does the community need? What do we need? And we have this guiding principle among the partners that's, that is true then and is true now. We agree to agree. And we agree to agree that what is best for Park Crest Dental Group, the organization, is in turn best for me. So we've all got skin in the game. And if we do it right, not only does the organization benefit, but we do as well. Very good. And so that's uh, where we are. 47 years later, still with that same philosophy. And, and is, that, is that the sequence in which, is that the priority order in which decisions are made is first off, what's good for the practice? And then we talk about what's good for the practitioners. As it turns out, you can't separate them. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times it's more of the same. <laughs> I mean, you're you're splitting hairs there on that, but yeah, I mean that's that's the case. You know, you've got so many practices. You've got all these egos working in, right? You've got eight doctors, eight egos, whatever. What are my needs? And sometimes decisions, conversations come up, but it always comes back to: Does that benefit the group? And if not, is it really beneficial? And so, yeah, for the most part, yeah, they're the same, Steve, but you can't separate them. Fantastic. All right. So we want to talk today about kind of how the whole setup works. And Dr. Keeter, welcome. Yeah. I figured it out. And yeah, um, you. Sorry about that. Sounds good. And Blake, one of the things that I think is significant, especially about your story, is... Uh, you are the first dentist, uh, the first, really the last dentist to come in to retire the whole first generation of dentists. So when you came into the practice, the last dentist that was part of that original group uh, then transitioned out of the practice, if my right. memory serves me correctly. So this is a practice now that has gone through a full generation and is now on to its second, full second generation of practices, or of dentists. So I think that's what I wanted, because I, I love the system that uh, now 47 years in, in, uh, in process. So uh, Blake, maybe we can start with you in terms of when you were first approached uh, and what the, the setup was as an associate, because you came in as an associate first. Right. So why don't you explain to us what that setup was, what, you know, in general terms, what the offer was, what the explanation was and what appealed to you. Yeah. So, you know, when I reached out and then kind of made contact with Parkcrest, the, um, you know, the initial process and, and Tiffany, our office administrator, laid it all out. Um, she said, you know, come in for an interview, you know, meet everyone, you know, if it goes well, we'll have a second interview. 
um, come back in and, and, you know, kind of really dive into, you know, more questions about how things run. Um, but a lot of times it's just getting to know, you know, people, uh, you know, part of the reason why Parkrest works the way it does. Um, Dr. Dills, myself, all the, the other dentists were just friends. You know, we, we get along with each other. So a lot of times it's easy to, um, you know, if something isn't exactly how I want it to be, as long as it's good for the group, I mean, it's, I want them to be successful. I want to be successful. So it works for all of us, but um, just initially coming in for that interview, you could just kind of tell that this group, they, they liked each other. And I mean, that's a big deal. You want to, you're going to spend a lot of time at work. So you want to enjoy your time while you're there. Um, So the initial, you know, setup was coming in for an interview, chat, meet everybody. Um, and then, you know, basically how things work is we get, sorry, um, gosh, so details of the contract as an associate, um, two weeks vacation and, uh, gosh, I think the, uh, base salary was 8,000 a month with 30% of collections, uh, when, you know, if it, whichever was more, um, and then new patient wise, uh, I would get, there was no hard number. It was generally like, you know, new patient for me, new patient for the group that they would share. So I ended up getting, you know, gosh, quite a few new patients uh, right off the bat. Um, you know, going into a group where yeah, I, I could look back at the numbers, but gosh, there were some months I'd get 40, 50 new patients a month. Um, and then the, the rest of the group would split I don't know, uh, 50 to a hundred new patients, uh, there for a little while. So, I mean, it was, it was just a good setup. Um, yeah. What, what other specific questions? So, um, Joe, was that pretty much, I mean, is that similar to your, when you came in as an associate, cause you both came in the same way, Sure. pretty similar to you. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I was, I was an associate with a different group before this, uh, ended up working for a large, very large practice. I won't say the name, but it's very well known. So I'd add some ideas about how that worked, transitioning into practices. So yes, it is very much prescribed. You're going to get this amount of compensation or your collections works great. We're going to run you as an associate for two years. Okay. You can fake things for a while, but (laughs) you can't fake things for two years, right? It's like dating. Yes. Um, and that gives everybody a pretty good feel for how does the practice run. From my perspective, how does this work? And Blake's perspective gave him a chance to look at us for two years, look at the books for two years. Um, and then after two years, it's offered, we, we're, this is working, right? It's beneficial for everybody. And so there's a partnership buy-in agreement. That buy-in agreement is discussed upon hire of the associate. In other words, we don't want you building a practice value and then buying that back. No, here's what things are worth. So when your turn to buy shows up, if we extend that, you're not getting charged for your work. That's an agreed. This was the discussion for both of you. The buy-in agreement, the general terms of that were discussed along with the associate agreement. I mean, that was part of the whole discussion. If if this... If we all decide this works, here's where it's headed. So there were no, it wasn't, we'll talk to you about that in two years. No. We'll talk about it, but you knew what you were getting yourself into. And And I think that's important. You know, what, I want to know what's going to happen. Correct. 
And, and that keeps the lines of communication absolutely transparent with my intent as the associate coming in and the group is their intent for the associate. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, and Blake, in your experience, you had some, you know, one of the beautiful things about this kind of a setup is you have a mentor at every hand. There is no shortage of sources for Absolutely. good advice. Yeah. So walk us through what, you know, how, how was that set up and how were you trained and mentored and brought in? Yeah, great question. Uh, I would say the single greatest component to having a group practice coming out of school was having the the network of other dentists, just being able to bounce ideas, <clears throat> show x-rays, learn how to treatment plan, um, you know, just kind of in my time listening to the conversations they were having, uh, yeah. you know, you know, trying to be sneaky about it, but just kind of listening to how they, you know, treatment plan, how they talk to people. Um, and, you know, when they were doing procedures that I didn't necessarily know yet or wasn't familiar with, um, just, uh, you know, being around as much as I could to learn how to, you know, basically talk to people. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it, treatment planning wise, being able to pull up x-rays and, and go over cases um, at any time, you know, because we can at any time you can go to the, the back where our, our computers are set up and uh, where we hang out when we're not with patients uh, and, and just chat. Pull up, hey, you know, check this out. What would you do here? Um, pull up, you know, get models. Hey, what would you do in this situation? Um, and it, it's invaluable, uh, the, the experience that you get just hearing their different perspectives on things. Um, especially coming right out of school when you know what teeth are, but you know, <laughs> that's, that's, about it. that's about it. You know, you know how to do a filling, but besides, you know, you learn a lot when you're actually doing it and, and just, that's probably the best, you know, as far as growing my you know, clinical skills, growing my confidence in my clinical skills and treatment planning things, just the whole approach to dentistry and being able to, to bounce ideas around. Awesome. So were you assigned a specific, doctor to be your go-to person? I mean, you had access to everybody, but you had, did you have someone that was like, this is your go-to guy? Not exactly. Really. Everyone was my go-to guy. Um, you know, one of our other dentists, Dr. Hall, uh, we did lunch, gosh, probably once a month for the first year, um, just to kind of you know, dedicated time specifically to pulling up cases and kind of going through them, through some things. Um, but really, like I said, at any time I could do that with anyone. Right. So, yeah. And Joe, was that your experience? Pretty, pretty similar when you came in? Absolutely. You know, we want everybody to succeed. We want, we want to bring in a partner that's going to be successful. Then um, again, that makes the group successful. There is a lot of opportunities for practicing dentistry, whether it's, you know, large group practice, uh, organized dentistry in that fashion, whether you go into public service through the FQHC method, or you go hang out a shingle, start your own practice. There's a lot of different ways of doing that. I wanted to be an owner. I, I made a very lousy employee when I was 16 and 17. Okay. <laughs> So I knew that I wanted some, some say in how the business was going to run. So dentistry fit that, and the model at Parkcrest allows that to happen. One thing that was important to me coming into a practice, not only the practice itself, 
the location also is important. In other words, am I going into a practice that's renting space in a large building, in a high-rise building, or am I going into practice that controls their real estate? That's another question that you got to ask as you're coming into this is what am I getting tied to? It was a known quantity here. Yes, there's Park Chris Dental Group. We also happen to be the landlords. We're tough. Okay. So that allows us to control, well, really the destiny of the practice. You know, they're not going to close our building. They're not going to raise rent for reasons. <laughs> so there's a lot of different aspects of this group that really attracted me from a businessman standpoint. And I think Blake shares that too. You know, we talked about that a number of times, you know, yeah, there's really two businesses going on here. All right. Very cool. Let's say um, uh, for, for both of you, imagine the audience here of, of a dental student uh, who is trying to enter your space. He, he wants to work or she wants to work for Parkcrest Dental. Um, what are you going to say to an, uh, an onboarding or associate or what are you looking for skills, personality, leadership qualities? I mean, what is it that you would say to a student who wants to enter where you are, Blake, or, or Joe, you want another Blake. I mean, what are you training or telling a student right now? How do they prepare for the same situation? Yeah, great question. Um, I would just tell everyone, go into it with a, an open mind. Um, and <clears throat> the, you know, from, from a humble perspective, not everything is gonna be perfectly how you want in a group practice. Uh, you just have to learn to adapt and, and roll with things. Um, when you're, when you just, you know, just have a, a, a good attitude about things and you, it just goes a lot, it goes a really long way as far as building the relationships and the, the friendships that you have. And then you get to a point where you don't sweat the small stuff. Um, so you just have to, you know, go into it and, and be nice. I mean, <laughs> We have a course for that. So, um, Joe, over 47 years, and you haven't been there for 47 years, but during the span that you have been there, there have been some associates that didn't make the trip. Yeah. So tell us about, not specific people, but if they didn't sure. make it, what were the biggest reasons they didn't make it? You know, couple things. One, when I was listening to Blake talk and gosh, he's a, he's a good dude. We're glad to have him. You're right. We're looking for more Blakes at some point. The guys, the folks that didn't make it, you can't separate what goes on in your personal life from what goes on in the office, right? We say, leave your baggage at the door. Okay. Whether that's in school, leave your baggage at the door, whether that's leave your baggage at the door when you go to work, you can do that to a certain extent, but who you are is who you are. If you're not behaving well in your personal life, you cannot behave well in your professional life. Those that didn't make the cut had some performance issues in other areas of their life. You just, you just cannot separate it, guys. I understand. You can't, you can't do it. So that, that um, issue that started creeping into the professional, yeah, I get it. It, not, it, it always does. If, if, you just to what Blake said, be nice, be good, be good at who you are, be, be here to be a servant. And, and 
all kinds of good ways to do that. So that's that's the model, honestly. Good, good well, that's what we're looking for. I How do you interview? You look for somebody you like. Yeah, that's friendly. And, you you know, watch them. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I, I'm putting up a new quote on my wall, Joe. Who you are is who you are, Dr. Joe goes. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> it just flat is. It's very true. Okay. At what point uh, in the intake process, and this is a question for both of you, um, did you start getting involved or were you invited to, to get involved with the regular partner meetings that you guys have? Because you guys meet once, Joe, remind me, once a month? Once a week. Once we meet a once week. a week. So at what point as an associate did you get invited into the inner circle to at least observe yeah. what was going on. So day one, um, yep. you know, yep. the, yeah, day one, uh, when I came and interviewed both times, it was during their meeting, uh, at lunch. Um, you know, when they offered me the contract, they, that was gosh, around Halloween of 2013, <laughs> got invited to the Christmas party, any event that they had, any Wednesday meeting that they had, if I was going to be in Springfield because I was in Oklahoma city at the time I said, swing by. Um, and then as soon as I got back to Springfield, yeah, just anytime. And then, yeah, every, every Wednesday, it's just a thing. So Blake, you, there were no surprises. I mean, by the time you got two years into this, there really wasn't anything you didn't know. Correct. You've been in on all the partnership meetings every week for two years. Yes. Pretty transparent. Oh, yeah. Very transparent. So, it's, uh, um, yeah. Same Good thing group. for you. I'm very fortunate. So Yeah, Joe, same thing for you. Any difference in your experience? Not at all. You know, there was, uh, as I was leaving another practice, I became known as Dr. X here because nobody could disclose what was going on. Right. <laughs> but I was involved in, we go away every year for a weekend, a long weekend as a retreat for, for all the docs and the, and the uh, my administrator has to be there as well. But that weekend is looking at the business, looking at each other. There's business, there's playtime. You go camping, right? You got to go camping together. We do that once a year. And so the year before I came in here, yeah, I was along on that trip before I ever stepped foot in here as as uh, as a practitioner. So yeah, you need to you need to know who your who your group is, know your flock, so to speak. Yeah, hundred really percent. As as an associate, you can tell if, if the group is trying to make money off of you, or if they're trying to build your practice and want you to be a part of it. Tell us about that. Oh yeah, explain. Yeah. Well, like coming in, I never felt like I had a production uh, goal. I mean, they want me to succeed. They wanted me to succeed and I wanted to succeed, but there was never <clears throat> pressure to produce. Um, you know, they, they were very upfront with, you know, salary, you know, how you're compensated. Um, and, and they really, like I said, with the new patients, um, just everything was set up to help me succeed so that the group could succeed. Um, but again, never felt pressure to produce, uh, just show up, work hard, you know, you know, do your best. And if you take good care of people, the practice will take care of itself. You know, you take care of your, your patients, you take care of each other, the, you know, dentistry, it gets easy at that point. So great advice. Is there any, uh, any like top three or top five, you know, looking back on associates that you've had or, or experiences that you guys had mistakes that students shouldn't make um, as they're leaving dental school? 
That's a tough one. That's, that's yeah. Clarify that one. Dial that in a little bit. <laughs> Bring that down. Let's right. say uh, pretending um, pretending that you know anything because coming out of middle school. That's, I, think, I think that's well. I mean, that's well put. You're a. Um, I mean, I I know you enough to know you're coachable, you're teachable, you're easy to be with, and a sponge when it comes to learning things. And that character trait has served you well. So well put. Yeah. I mean, we we we've interviewed a lot of. I mean. Uh, as as we've connected with a, a, a lot of different types of practices, um, there's kind of a theme that's running of students do these things which really set them back when trying to find a practice that they're going to look for. That would kind of maybe hone yeah. in on, kind of on advice. What advice would you say? Don't waste time doing such and such uh, when trying to make this decision. Yeah. You got it, Blake, or you want me to go? Go for it. <laughs> I think that comes to knowing yourself, Stuart. What is it you want? You know, there's the statement, begin with the end in mind. I knew very clearly that I wanted to practice here in Springfield, and I knew very clearly that there was a, say, a premier group to do that with. I knew myself well enough to know I didn't want to be a solo practitioner. So knowing all of those things, here's what I want to do. What do I need to do to land me in this position? And so I think that's the real deal. Do I want to be in public service? Do I want to be a solo practitioner? Do I want to be a faculty at university? You got to answer that question first. Once you know what the end is, then you can go put those pieces together. I hope that helps, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. Very helpful. Blake, anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, just you have to know where you're going and what you want. Um, I knew I wanted to come to Springfield. Uh, so before I got out of dental school, I started calling around um, and, and trying to see, you know, where there were openings, what the, the dental layout was like, um, you know, reach out to the local dental society, um, you know, family, friends, anyone that knows anyone, um, just kind of see what the layout is like, where you want to go and, you know, kind of figure out where, there's a place that will you know, fit to what you want. And then all you have to do is ask worst, any, the worst thing that anyone's going to say is no, uh, that they're not looking for a place, uh, but just, yeah, call around. Um, Joe, if you have something else you want to say. In no, go ahead. Um, looking back, has there ever been an associate that you guys brought in that didn't make it clinically? There was, yeah, I was not here for that, but the stories keep going. Uh, <laughs> legendary, it sounds like. <laughs> it's legendary. You know, every, every clinician's got their take on what's, what's acceptable, right? What's good enough for me or for whoever. And yeah, there are people, gosh, that just, either the diagnostics aren't there, the hands aren't there, something. Um, but yeah, there have been, there was a couple, I think. Um, I went to school with a guy that was, and this, he comes to mind, very book smart. I mean, he was, he sharp, sharp. These didn't work very well in translation. Um, he recognized that. He went on to do something in dentistry still, but realized that 
the hands didn't didn't match what what was going on upstairs. Again, that's knowing yourself, but you got to watch for that. You know, and in our model, we each see everybody's hygiene patients. Ah. Not because we're trying to go behind each other's back. That's how the sometimes, good. yeah. Sometimes I'm out of the office and Mrs. Jones is here. Well, Dr. Blake's here. To see, will you step in? So the way we practice, we see everybody's work all the time. Yep. Yeah. So you kind of get that's your grade card, um, yeah. and it forces everybody to be better, right? Absolutely. Um, there's the, the transparency here is incredible. Yeah, there's there's nothing worse than, you know, I say nothing worse than, let's say, you know, Joe being like, hey, I saw, you know, Miss, Mrs. Jones here. And um, you may want to take a look at the the x-ray that we had, crown number 14. You look and there's like a, a giant open margin or something. And you're like, oh, I did that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, so, you you know, you get her in, you redo it. And, uh, you just make sure you get better at, at, at clinical skills. I mean, absolutely. So, but you all have each other's back. I mean, it's, it's yeah. not, it's, it's like, Hey, I saw this. You might want to take a look at it. It's your, I mean, they're, they're your collective right. patients, those patients. Right. Yeah. Are, so it, it's representative of all of you. It is. Parkcrest Dental Group is a brand. Yeah. While we're here, we, it's set up such that it's not one of our practices. In fact, when we talk about the business model, the shareholders, everybody's equal shareholders. Okay. For that reason. Um, so yeah, there are patients. Every, every one of them is our patient, so to speak. Um, there was somewhere else I was going. I'll have to, figure, I'll have to come back to that. I don't know what it was looking back. So Joe, having been, you practiced elsewhere before you came to where you are now. Um, if you were, if you were now going to sit down and, and create the criteria, um, for, a dental student or a young dentist and we've talked about you know location and you know the, the fit the people everybody's got to be nice the whole deal what do you wish you would have done earlier if there's anything as a prospective employee or employer uh, employee as going in as an associate and looking for the right opportunity is there anything you would have now knowing what you know now that you would have done differently Sure. I, to, to Blake's point a little bit, I want to know if your interest is my success or if your interest is making money from me. And it works the same way. Is the practice's intent to make money from the associate or the partner? Who's given and who's taken, right? Right. Um, we don't want anybody to feel like they're being taken advantage of or being exploited, so to speak, in some way. So what would I, what do I look for? Say equality, that's a terrible word for this, but opportunity. Is this a mutually beneficial relationship? Yep. It has to be. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add on to that when it's, you know, mutually beneficial, that will be from the top all the way to the bottom. Um, you know, I, I, when I came into interview, I tried to chat with the ladies at the front desk, you know, the, the hygienist, um, the, just everyone. Um, and when it's done well, everyone is happy and it's a good environment. You, you can tell. Um, and yeah, so just look, look for that. Talk to the, 
you know, for, for dental students, talk to the, you know, dentists who own it, um, but then talk to the staff that work there and see, see what it's like for them, because it, it's, if it's not practice wide, you know, that's, that's a red flag. Yeah. And it, it's amazing I what you can, it. what you can find out when you're in somebody's space. Absolutely. Hard, hard to keep secrets, right? <laughs> yes. And uh, what I find interesting, what I love about the whole process is, Blake, you were you were like on trial. I mean, you had all the partners interviewing you. I mean, it was a it was a group yeah. thing. It wasn't just one on one. It was like mm. the, the panel. Right. Tiffany did not tell me that's how it was going to be. Really? So that was a surprise. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, you know, I'm chatting with the ladies at the front desk, you know, waiting on Tiffany because they're in their meeting. She comes and gets me. And, oh, hey. And she's like, yeah, come on in. And I walk in and there's, you know, and, and fortunately I had you know, got on Facebook and I had memorized everyone's names and faces and, and kind of did some research about practice uh, prior. But yeah, I walk in, there's seven people in a room around a table <laughs> and sit down and they're all looking at me like, you're now on Springfield's Got Talent. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, was, it was a good time. Um, they asked some bizarre questions uh, just to kind of get me out of my comfort zone, see how things would go. But it, yeah, it was a, it was a fun, fun experience. Mm. You know, that doesn't even seem foreign to us. I love that idea. No, that's how how you roll. And it's got to work with everybody. I mean, this truly and what I love about the way you operate, it truly is a group practice. I mean, this is a, you know, you meet every week as partners, you hash it all out. I mean, it is not easy to pull off what you guys pull off. And you know that <clears throat> it, takes, it takes work to get all those minds to cooperate and agree and, and move forward. It's very organized, but um, it's a relationship amongst all the partners as well as with the patients and the team and the whole deal. So um, great, great tips and uh, appreciate you guys sharing all of those things. Anything uh, that parting words before we wrap up? <clears throat> that either of you would tell a, a dental student looking forward that's like, man, I wish I would have known this in general before before I got out into the, the working dental world. What would you tell them? Blake, we'll start with you. Yeah, so again, just be friendly, um, have a good attitude about things. You know, don't act or pretend like you know things or everything because you're going to learn a lot more the first six months out of school than you did in dental school. Uh, I think that's pretty, pretty standard. You know, I was told that in dental school, I just didn't necessarily know how true it was until <laughs> right. I got out. Um, but then from a, a clinical perspective, when you do finish dental school, as much CE you know, training uh, that you can get early on, that is only going to help you to feel more comfortable doing any procedure, uh, yeah. but also expand what you can do that can be profitable. Um, you know, we all go into dentistry for varying various reasons, but you know, at the end of the day, sometimes work is, is work. We're here to make money. The, the more training you get, the more things, procedures that you can do, the more services you can offer patients, the better. Um, plus the variety is just fun. Uh, so the earlier, the quicker you can invest in yourself, to, to get the training, um, do that. Uh, but then just from a, a joining a practice standpoint, figure out what you want to do, uh, whether it's your group practice, which I highly recommend. You know, a lot of my friends have, have their own practice. 
which which would be great. Uh, just a lot of headaches that I don't want to deal with. Um, you know, the, the cool part about a group practice is that we have an office administrator that takes care of a lot of stuff for us. We also have the, you know, the overhead space to have different things paid for that, that I don't want to have to deal with. I show up, I fix teeth, um, that type of thing. It, it's great. So figure out what you want to do. If that's it, a group practice is, is where you're at. Um, but yeah, just, Keep smiling. It, dental school will be over before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, you, any, uh, any parting words for anything you wish you would have known or any parting advice for somebody who's just getting into the, the dental workspace? Keep your eyes open, honestly. Uh, look around you. See what you want to do. Talk to those people where you want to be. Find geographically where you want to be, what you think you want to do, and try it. When you're right out of school, you're not tied down to anything. So look around. Um, you know, I feel really, really blessed. I, and I tell this to people. I get to go hang out with my eight good friends every day, do something I just happen to love to do, and then I go home. And I get to go home to my family that I love too. So it's, uh, it's pretty tough to beat, gang. It really is. And we are really, to Blake's point, good friends. And I wouldn't want to do it without them really very cool thank you both for sharing your time your wisdom and your experience today you know i'm huge fans of what you guys do and what an amazing track record and and what you continue to do so thank you for uh sharing your wisdom with us today sure hey one thing to keep in mind guys as you're looking at practices look at the contracts look at the contracts see what's in there is there a non-compete you like the non-compete are you comfortable with that yeah uh those can be roadblocks to some successes yeah but look at those contracts and in terms of looking at employers make sure they're being truthful with you yeah make sure that they've got your success in the front of their mind and if they don't that might not be a comfortable place to be for very long you got it yeah i'm gonna add one thing on there i mentioned getting trained in, in clinical skills um, you know, when you look at, you know, clinical skills, the patients a lot of times don't know whether the filling that you've done is the perfect, if it has ideal everything um, or not. Um, clinical skills is great, but verbal skills as well. Um, being able to talk to people, you know, just the whole, you know, process of getting someone to buy into, you know, valuing their oral health. Um, it's not just, Hey, you need a filling. Let's do the filling. (laughs) Sometimes that works for people. Other times it doesn't, um, you know, there's a, a a process to getting them to understand, okay, this is important. Um, and they, they want to invest in themselves. Um, I was fortunate enough. Parkcrest was working with, with, uh, tops, uh, when I came on board and they're, they're fantastic at that. So just wanted to give you guys a plug there. Hey, thank it, you. It, it really, it hey, really was beneficial. Well said. I wouldn't be doing this without you guys. That's for sure. <laughs> thank you both. Appreciate you taking the time you today, and thanks for sharing your wisdom. Yeah, honored to do it. Stuart, great to see you guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for this Mentor of the Month podcast, sponsored by Crown Council. This is just one tool available to the Crown Council membership that helps dental teams build a culture of success. That's our mission and purpose is to provide a place for dental teams to come together, 
and learn the skills needed to develop your most valuable asset, the people, those people who work in your practice. As always, if you're interested in being part of this group or want more information about the tools available to the membership, go to www.crowncouncil.com or call us 1-800-276-9658. Thanks.